Welcome to Decode Your Burnout, the podcast where we crack the code on burnout based on three primary factors, your programming, environment, and personality. We also feature experts who debunk the myths about what it takes to be successful in their industry and spin those tips to fit the workplace so you can optimize the way you work. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Grossman, a psychologist turned coach, author, and burnout expert. If you're burned out and want to go from exhausted to extraordinary, book a free breakthrough session with me by going to bookachatwithsharon.com. And if you want to see how you're doing and what to focus on next, download the burnout checklist. You'll find the link in the show notes or go to bit.ly forward slash check your burnout. Now let's get started. Hello and welcome back to Decode Your Burnout Fans. Another episode with me, Dr. Sharon Grossman. And today I have the pleasure of sharing this stage with Kate Donovan, the amazing person who runs the Burnout Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see the background fried. So uh, Kate, let me tell you a little bit about her. She is a keynote speaker. She's one of New York City's leading burnout experts. She's the host, as I mentioned, of Fried, the Burnout Podcast, and she has a book called The Bounce Bounce Back Ability Factor. That's a mouthful. Uh, Her creative burnout recovery solutions have been featured on podcasts and online magazines such as Forbes, NPR, Thrive Global, and the New York Post, as well as in companies such as Lululemon and PepsiCo. Kate... I am so excited to have you on the show, and she is going to be sharing with us today all about resentment, which is very much tied into burnout. So let's go. All right. I love resentment. I can't wait to talk about it. It's like me when I I go on podcasts and I say, you know, I love talking about burnout. I know most people aren't very excited about this topic, but it's totally my jam. So (laughs) I get it. I could talk burnout all day, every day. Yeah, you're like my sister. Okay. Amazing. So, uh, so why don't you start us off? Tell us about your burnout story and how you got to the frying pan. The frying pan. So the burnout story, the short version of the burnout story is I had always planned on being a doctor my entire life. I did really well in school, got a full academic scholarship to Boston University, started out as a biology major on a pre-med track, realized very quickly that I did not want to do that. I was really dismayed when I started really putting together the amount of money and time it was going to cost me to get to a place where I wasn't even going to have time to speak to patients. That's what I was learning in those first two years. And I was like, this is not okay. I went to a teacher that I had. I was taking a graduate level course in meditation as one of my electives. And my teacher was the world's foremost scholar of Taoism. I said, Livia, I don't know what to do if I'm not going to be a doctor. I've never planned on anything else. She said, well, you can still be a doctor, do Chinese medicine. And I went, what the is Chinese medicine? I just bleeped myself. But that's what I said in her office. And she started explaining it to me. I started reading about it, fell in love, moved to California, did a master's degree, moved to Poland because I had met a man along the journey. That's a whole nother side story. Moved to Poland, started an acupuncture practice, became very successful very quickly. And by the time I was 28, I was 
paying back my American student loans on Polish money, which is nearly impossible. I was in magazines. I was on TV. It was like this whole thing. So I was crossing off all these success markers that I never even imagined because I never imagined they were even available to me. I grew up in a crappy little city with big drug problems. And, you know, I, I, I didn't have the kind of environment around me where people had this kind of success. So I didn't know what to do with it. And I found myself really being annoyed with my patients. This is where the resentment starts creeping in. They would call me, they would ask me for something, and I would be in my mind saying, don't I give you enough? Like, What the hell else could you possibly want from me? Right? They most of the time were not making ridiculous requests, but I was already burnt out. So any request felt like the straw that broke the camel's back. And I didn't realize it was burnout for about six or seven years. Within that time, I had moved to another country, built another acupuncture practice from scratch. And I read an article one day in 2016 about burnout. And I was like, this fits all the things. I don't understand how I could have been in some sort of healthcare for over a decade and never come across this information. What, where, when you study Chinese medicine, all you study is how stress affects the body. That's the whole medicine. I'm a stress management expert. I've been working for 10 years. I've been very successful. How do I not know this? And it blew my world apart. Amazing. Amazing. So it's a real kind of rags to riches story that, uh, I mean, I think it's phenomenal that you, you were leading with your heart from the very beginning. I mean, that really came through for me. You are a feeler. And the one reason you didn't go through with your original plan is because you wanted more time with your patients and you found a way to give them that. What went wrong? Why do you think you went from allowing yourself to be immersed in this experience where you're healing other people, you're doing all the things that you want to do in the way that you want to do it. You're so successful to the point where now you're resenting them for reaching out to you with a question. So I think what happened was that acupuncture is, you know, poo-pooed in the Western medicine world. It's like, yeah, maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. We're not really sure. We don't trust the science. Meh. It's hard to study. Meh. So I'm already feeling a little devalued because I don't have that planned MD after my name. I have a master's degree, but everybody thinks I can learn acupuncture in like a three-month seminar, you know, on a hippie commune. And I have to explain to people that I have a master's degree and that I really worked hard and spent a lot of money to get where I am. And so I'm, I'm starting at this disadvantage of I practice a medicine that's not widely accepted and is judged. I don't know how many times somebody has said to me, well, does acupuncture work? And I responded, no, I'm a charlatan. I just like taking people's money. Like, <laughs> I love it. You know, like I just, I, I got that question five, six times a month. Oh, but does it work? No, I just do it for the hell of it. You know, like I, I don't see any benefit, but I just continue to do it. So I felt this really strong need to prove myself in that regard. 
right? So I had to prove myself. I also had to prove myself because I was this kid who grew up with not a lot of extras, a lot of familial support. So I have this amazing family, but we didn't have money and extras and spare. So I had this need to prove myself that I could, you know, sort of overcome the city that I came from, where I can count people that I know that are heroin addicts. You're not supposed to be able to do that in your life, you know, but people I went to high school with, like I can name 10 without even really thinking that hard. So I wanted to prove that I could overcome that. And because the the additional like proving was between my patients and I, that not only did I want them to know that acupuncture could help them, but I wanted to know that I had all these other sort of life coaching skills and other things that I could help them with. I sort of wanted to be the only doctor they would ever need, which is now uh, like I would never even want, I don't even want to be the only burnout coach people ever need. Like I love, I often do a three month program and then send people to another person who is more ready for the, the place where the, the people are now. Like I don't want to work alone anymore. But I had so much to prove that I had to do it and I had to do it all by myself and I had to show everybody. That what I valued, what I what I gave, and what I knew was valuable, and that that meant I was valuable. Mm-hmm. So there's a combination of your upbringing, and I don't mean your parents, but just the environment, and being in the present situation where the culture where you were, especially in Poland, is that there wasn't an acceptable practice that you had to prove to your patients that this can work. Oh, you have to in the States too, even though it's fairly popular here, it's still used by not that many people in comparison. Correct. So there was a lot of needing to show up and say like, Hey, this can work. And I get it because even I think the work that we do now as coaches, right? Like Like this is valuable. Sometimes people are really just, cynical about this working for them, which is kind of ironic if you think about it, because, you know, you become cynical as part of the burnout. If you stay cynical, then you don't allow the treatment (laughs) to help you get to the other side. That is unfortunate. But, um, but yeah, so I'm hearing that there's all this stuff that kind of came into the mix that, uh, that got you to a point where you've had to prove yourself. And one of the things we know is that the compulsion to prove ourselves is what gets us on the burnout journey. So there you are, you're going down this path. And even though you have all the success and we could say, what do you got to complain about? You've got, you know, you're in magazines, you've got all these clients, you got money coming in, you've got all your dreams come true. Right. And then still at the end of the day, you're bitter. Mm. So tell us about the resentment and for people who are currently feeling resentful because they're burned out. They may not even realize that they're burned out. Although I will say, if they're listening to this, they probably know. <laughs> <laughs> if they chose this podcast, there's probably a reason. Burned out on the title, so <laughs> I will give them the benefit of the doubt. So let's say they're they're listening. They're bur- they know they're burned out. They know they're they're feeling resentment, but they just don't know what to do about it. What uh, what can you share? I think the first thing is a lot of people. Haven't don't know or haven't admitted that they're feeling resentment in the first place. So if you find yourself overly annoyed that people aren't following the rules that you deem to be proper in life, 
that's resentment. If you feel that every time somebody contacts you, like you need to teach them a lesson because they're missing something big. And, and you, if you're just going to help them solve it real quick, that's usually resentment. If you are feeling that every time somebody asks you for anything else besides what you've already given, your response is, haven't I given you enough? Why don't you know already? how much I've already done for you. Nobody appreciates me. I don't get the things back that I give out. All this kind of talk. This is resentment. So first of all, we'll start with that. And I'm glad that you defined it because I think it's really important for people to get a clear understanding of that. And as you're saying all this stuff, what kind of comes up for me is it's maybe like a blend of frustration, you know, and when I say that, what I always teach my clients is if you have a lot of shoulds in your life about what everything and everyone needs mm-hmm. to be doing, but isn't that's frustration. So it's kind of a combination of that and overwhelm because you're giving so much away and you feel like it's never enough. And so mm-hmm. the two kind of come together and then you feel resentful. Is that about right? I think so. And I think uh, you're right on target with this when you have all these shoulds and you're following the shoulds. So you think everyone else should follow the shoulds. The, I think the emotion that comes up really truly underneath the frustration is resentment in that case, because you're like, I'm following all the rules and I'm not getting the prizes I was promised. Right. Why so should if I have to do this and yes. nobody else is doing it? Yes. Yes. So that to me, oh, that is resentment. Resentment, the, the actual like Miriam Webster definition is bitter indignation at having been treated unfairly. And one of the things we know from Maslach is, who's a burnout researcher, is that unfairness in the mm-hmm. workplace is one of exactly. several criteria for burnout, one of the things that can lead you to burnout. So it makes sense. Important on that is the language is perceived unfairness. Yes, thank you for that. Right? Because there's no such thing as anything that's ever been fair. Nothing's ever been fair, <laughs> but I mean, it is. It, I mean, if you think about it, stress. Yeah, we're gonna kind of just zoom out for a second. Yeah. Stress is about perception, so mm-hmm. we're always coming back to the mind. We're always coming back to how are you thinking about things? How are you taking it in? And that's actually good news, I think, because if it's just perception and it's not real, then we have something we can work with. Yes. Yes. And we have to go, I think, beyond the mind because I think the nervous system comes first, right? So how is the nervous system interpreting it and then sending those messages to the mind to be reviewed? So, but even that, like things can feel unfair. It's even kids look for fairness. Children, when they're learning, look for fairness. It's, it's inherent that we look for fairness and reciprocity, but mm, there isn't really any such thing. So, so I think this is really important. Like this is resentment. All of these things in a big package are resentment. And I started noticing that everywhere that that was bubbling up for me in my life, I was actually doing things that kind of nobody was asking me to do. I was over-involving myself in other people's OPP, right? Not other people's property, other people's problems. I was over-involving myself in being the solution maker for everyone because now we're back to, am I valuable as a person? What do I need to do to prove in every situation from being in the mall to being on the tram that I'm useful on this earth? 
that I have value. So I'm going to scan my environment at all times and make sure the little old lady gets a seat on the tram and make sure I hold the door for the person behind me. They better say thank you. Right now we're getting back into the resentment. I hold the door, they walk through and I'm like, you're welcome because they didn't say anything. I'm the person that picks up the scrunchie that somebody dropped and runs it behind them and say, oh, you dropped something. Yeah, I'm always looking for ways that I can fix people's problems that they don't even know they have yet, or they're never actually going to have, but I'm guessing that they might have them. So I'm going to fix it for them anyway. So I started to notice that in all of those places where I was losing the most energy during my day and engaging in an act of self-abandonment and self-neglect for the perceived benefit of other people, I was feeling resentful. So if I started paying attention to that emotion, I could say, okay, I need a boundary drawn here. Mm -hmm. The thing that I love most about resentment is the more you look at it, the more you admit to it, the more powerful it becomes, the better boundaries you create because you know exactly where those boundaries need to be because your resentment tells you. Exactly. I always say, if you're feeling resentful, it's a sign that you need to put some boundaries up. Amen. I mean, that's if you're people are always asking, what are the what are the warning signs, you know, for burnout? I'm like, that's one of them. Yes. Right? Feeling resentful, there's something you can do right away. You yeah. put up a boundary, you figure out what it is. And in order to put up that boundary, you have to be really specific about what the resentment is about. So, yeah. you know, me, I'm I'm not a huge gratitude journal fan. Mo when people are burnt out, if you're not burnt out, like do all the gratitude journals, it's helpful, it's useful. But when you look at meta-analysis studies of gratitude journals, it's like, man, not so great. And I think that the reason that it shows that they're not so great is because we're taking people and we're not deciding and we're not noticing how they're feeling beforehand. What kind of nervous system state do you have? Are you in a state of depression? Are you? We're just taking people, telling them to do this gratitude journal, and then saying, well, people are feeling better. Well, you're telling them to focus on good things and they're actively doing it. Like, of, of course, they're going to notice that. And, and they're giving you the answers that you want them to to give you. So the study is already a little skewed. There's a natural placebo effect, which counts. I love placebo effect, but it's, it's, not a, it's not a great study. It's hard to study well. And what they, what they find is that overall, when they look at it, there's not a massive change with gratitude practices. I believe that the issue is that people are either depressed or burnt out, and these gratitude changes are not inducing the neurochemical benefits that they induce when you can actually feel gratitude. To me, gratitude and awe come together. So you look out your window, you happen to catch the perfect moment of the sunset and your whole body relaxes. And you're like, oh my God, it's so lucky to see that. Those are moments that change your biochemistry and make you happier and more resilient. But sitting down and saying, I am grateful for my family because they, eh. if you're feeling burnt out, is just faking it. You're not getting that biochemical reaction. You're not getting that neuro horm neurochemical hormone reaction. It's not getting you where you need to go. So let's flip the script. Let's do the resentment instead. Let's put up the boundaries. Let's get your energy back so that you can return to appreciation and awe and gratitude. I think one of the things that resentment journaling does is 
it acknowledges where you are. Yeah. And I think that before we can heal, we have to acknowledge the problem. Uh, yes, of course. The other thing about being actually honest with yourself, honesty on the level of interoception reconnects the communication between the prefrontal cortices and the amygdala, right? So one of the big issues during burnout is that these two parts of the brain are not communicating as they should. So honesty, like true, deep, introspective honesty helps these things to communicate again. So not only is honesty useful because you can objectively create a problem solve to the problem that you're honest about, but your brain literally gets healthier, which is fascinating. So, so there's a number of myths related to resentment. Perhaps the first one, as you said, is that if I'm resentful, I should do some gratitude journaling and I'll feel better. And you're here to tell us, no, journal about your resentment instead, and then you'll feel better because you'll acknowledge how you feel. Journal about it and then use it as a transformational tool. So journal about it and then decide what boundary to put in place and then put the boundary in place. So journaling is like just barely step one. Then we've got to do something with that information. So it's kind of like a two for one, right? Yeah. You, you journal to get the clarity. Yeah. And then you take action from there. So exactly. Kind of, and I want people to hear this because we can stay stuck in resentment and we can sit there and just whine and complain and write all the negative things all day long. But we're using this as a stepping stone for change so that yes. you can feel better. It's yes. one thing to feel acknowledged and to get things out, but it's another to actually do something so that you can improve your situation. And so I think what Kate, you're saying is you then want to get the clarity into what boundaries do I need to have in place and then go and do that. Yes. Amazing. Exactly. Okay. Well, I love that tip. All right. So what is another myth related to resentment? We were, I know this is a burnout podcast. So, some of the myths that I decided ahead of time were about burnout, since, you know, resentment is what I talk about a lot, but burnout is my main expertise. Mm -hmm. The thing that I wrote down was burnout can always be prevented. This is something that I think puts too much onus on the person experiencing burnout. That's like, to me, it's the same as saying cancer can always be prevented. No, it can't. Sometimes there are things happening in your body that you have no awareness over, that you are not controlling. There's a large portion of burnout that, the, like I said, in my childhood, I had these experiences which led to this coping mechanism. Those coping mechanisms that you engage in, you engage with them because they're successful for you for a long time. A lot of them will lead you to burnout eventually, but they work for like 25 years first. So how are you supposed to know at what point you're supposed to upgrade this coping mechanism that's been successful for you for 25, 35, 40 years? It's not your fault, but you do need to deal with it. But if you have it happening and you don't know about it, you can't change it, which means you can't prevent the result. Does that make sense? Yeah, That's a little I mean, convoluted. No, but I think I think it's there's so much truth in that because so much of our programming is subconscious. Exactly. So there's so much that we're kind of operating on autopilot. We don't even know why we do something. We don't even realize half the time that we're doing it. 
it's just kind of how we are, how we're used to being in the world. And as you said, sometimes the thing that you've done your whole life and has brought you to all the success, all of a sudden takes another turn. And you're like left wondering, how the hell did I get here? Exactly. Which it sounds like that's what happened to you. Yeah. And I hear this story all the time. People are like, I was on this path. I was on this path. I was on this path. All of a sudden the path turned left. And I was like, nobody told me to take a left. Yeah. I ha- and, and to take a left, I have to drop my identity. I have to change. You know, I have to let go of like this MD or this, you know, this title or this big fancy golden cage job or this, what? I don't want to do that. I worked all my life t- to get here. What do you mean? Right. So I don't, I don't like um, burnout prevention as a phrase. I think it's important to do stress management. And I think stress management and burnout prevention are the same thing. And I think it's important, but I don't want people to believe that if they just do all the right things, they can absolutely 100% avoid burnout. That, I don't There's believe no that to be true. That's right. what you're saying. Exactly. Right? We can do what we can to- And we should. Stress. Yeah. Yes. Because one of the things we know, we all have stress. Yeah. We all have stress all the time. Yeah. But- it's our job to kind of keep that stress from building up to become chronic. So if you're doing stress management, hopefully uh, you can prevent it a lot of the time by not letting it build and build and build. But then your mother gets sick at the same time as your son and you get a raise and a promotion and the world just tumbles on you. Life just happens. Yeah. Right. And so there, it's not a guarantee that even if you do all the right things, which I've heard people say, right. Then that you won't, you won't have this happen to you. Right. So I know it's a little different, but as an analogy, I have a friend whose mother is now dying from cancer. Mm. And she was telling me about her mother who her whole life was eating all the right foods and yeah. doing all the exercise and like, yeah. right. But she wasn't managing her emotional health. But as you said, like she didn't know that she needed to do that work. Right. Yeah. And so we're focused on what we think we need to do. And then we find out that, still didn't do the job. Right. And maybe she had mono when she was 17 and now she has cancer because of an, an old Epstein-Barr virus that's flo- like, that has nothing to do with her emotions. We don't, we don't even know if, if she had dealt with the emotions, if that would have protected her either. Right. You know, like maybe she has an undete- undetected Lyme disease. Like who, <laughs> like who knows? There's so, I, I hate the words root causes in acupuncture. We talk about a root cause um, pretty often. And I don't like the word root cause because life is too complicated for that. We are too holistic. We have too many things. Right now I'm doing a, an extra degree in biobehavioral health. It's the study of our biology, our genetics and epigenetics, our sociology, our ecology, and our neuroscience and our, our, our neurology all smashed into one with our socioeconomic class involved, right? All these it's not things. not because you're an overachiever, Kate. No, it has nothing to do with that. <laughs> all the things. <laughs> all the things smashed into one degree. It's beautiful. But it is reminding me, it looks a lot like Chinese medicine in a Western version, which it absolutely is because Chinese medicine looks at all these things. And we're saying, you know, if you have some sort of childhood trauma and mold in your house, and then there's only so much, like, 
There's right. only so much you can do, but we're it, it's not just the mold and it's not just the trauma. It's the trauma and the mold and the, and the, and the. Right. So what mm-hmm. we're saying is if you're resentful because you've done all the things and you're still burned out, then you yeah. should journal about it. Yes. You should set some boundaries around that. Yes. And know that it's not your fault. Yes, please. Okay. What's your third myth? The third myth is that, and we've already covered this a little bit with the last one, that burnout prevention and recovery require the same set of skills. Burnout prevention is stress management. Burnout recovery is nervous system adjustment. Okay. So for people who are not sure what that means, yeah, tell us about the nervous system and what needs to be adjusted there. So earlier I said that there's two parts of your brain. There's more parts of your brain that are affected with burnout, but that's for a whole nother podcast episode. But there are parts of your brain that are affected when you're burnt out. And this has been shown time and time again, chronic stress leads to X, Y, Z. So in order to heal from burnout, you need to be engaging in activities that allow your brain to be restored to its former glory. These things Yoga Nidra is a great thing. It's also a stress management tool, but it can help in burnout recovery. So this is one that straddles the two sides. But for instance, high-intensity exercise, lots of cardio, heavy lifting, really not useful. But yin yoga, tai chi, qigong, very useful. Right? So we're looking at like, we still need to move, but mm, a little bit different. Yeah. Can, so for people who aren't really familiar with Chinese medicine or just the whole yin yang thing, I think it's, it's really important to explain. And I think actually the yang, which is our go, go, go energy. I personally think that's what leads us to burnout because we're out of alignment. We're out of balance. We don't have enough of that downtime and the relaxation. And so everything you just mentioned seems to fall in the other camp, which makes yes. sense that if you've burned out doing too much, that you need to do less and that will help you to get rebalanced. But maybe you can, from your Chinese medicine background, kind of help us explore that a little bit further. I think you did a great job, but I will do a quick overview. So if everybody can picture the yin-yang symbol, it's technically called the Tai Chi symbol, but we'll call it the yin-yang symbol for... um, you know, recognition. If you think about it and this black and white, there's black on one side, white on the other. The black has a seat of the white. The white has a seat of the black. This image was never meant to be construed as two-dimensional. This is supposed to be a three-dimensional image that's constantly twirling and spinning around itself like a globe. So as we're looking at that, the point of this symbol is to show us that when the white also known as the yang, gets too big, it automatically transfers into yin. And when the yin gets too big, it automatically transfers into yang. But nothing is ever pure yang because there is always yin in it. There's always that seed. Nothing is ever pure yin because there's always yang in it. There's that seed. This is you know, the, the cycle of night and day, of sleeping and waking, of the seasons. It's this. It gets big enough and then it starts shifting. So this idea that we use this young energy, this activity, motion, fast, ambition, daytime, we, how much more daytime do we use? We use daytime and nighttime as daytime, you know, like, so that this is burning the candle, burning off the young. What happens 
is that we, the, the young fire gets very big. It depletes some of the yin, so it can't keep the right balance. And it also burns itself out. So in Chinese medicine, burnout is considered like losing your pilot light. It's not like you're on fire necessarily. It's like your pilot light is out and we can't reinstate it because this interaction between yin and yang is not working properly. And people like to think that, um, you know, in, in a burnout situation, both the yin and the yang are depleted because the yang burned so bright for so long that it destroyed some of the yin and it depleted itself at the same time. So we need to be able to build both of them back up over time. I hope I know that that can be a little bit of a tough thing to grasp, but there's a ton of information about this online. If you're like, this is interesting, but I want to know more, you can definitely look up the symbolism of the yin yang symbol and it will, it will dig into it further for you. So as you're describing this, I'm thinking of like those gas tanks that you take camping with you. Yeah. And like, you've got that thing all the way up. Yes. There's all this fire coming out yes. and then you run out of gas in the tank. Yes. And that's losing that pilot light in a way. Yes. Yes. Right. You've, you've like burned through all the fuel and there's nothing left in the tank. Yes. Literally nothing yes. left in the tank. Right. We exactly. use metaphors all the time, but I mean, this is essentially what's happening. And that's a great metaphor because yang is gas and yin is liquid. <laughs> all right <laughs> so so i think we have the idea there that yeah. we need more balance yeah we need to be focusing on not just prevention but also on recovery and that they're very different there's some overlap between them it's just that the recovery really does need a lot more safety to be built in, a lot slower practices, a lot more intentional rest, rest practice, you know, like relaxation practice, because usually people that burn out, we're not real good at the relaxation portion of life. People are like, I don't know how to relax. I'm like, practice. You yeah, just practice three minutes at a time. And I don't know if this is helpful, but the way I'm thinking about the difference mm -hmm. between, you know, if you're in a state of burnout recovery versus you're in prevention mode is that you're basically doing very similar things but the intention there is different the um one the speed is, is different also yeah yeah so yeah. one is is i'm going to incorporate these practices into my life so that i can be in balance versus i'm already out of balance and i need to recover and get back into balance yeah so recovery requires a lot more stillness. Yin is stillness. So it requires a lot more still. Like there's Maggie Supernova. I know that you, you've um, connected with her in the past. She's a, a yin yoga teacher and she's wonderful at it. And it's, a, and it's an amazing tool that she has to give her burnout clients is this ability to just sit in a posture and be still and let the posture do its work without thinking that you have to like breathe, breathe, move, breathe, vinyasa, sun salutation, up, down, up, down, squat, don't squat. It's too much. Yeah. So I encourage people listening to this to think about the activities that you have in your life in a, in a given day and how much of them fall into the yin and how much of them fall into the yang and see if there's any semblance of balance there. And if not, 
in the same way that we talked about if you're resentful that you need to put up some boundaries, I think here, almost as a preventative way, you can say, before I get to that place of resentment, I need to get to a place of balance, and then I will prevent all of this down spiral potentially from happening. So um, I love that you've shared all of these great mindset shifts for people, because I think there's so, so much truth and so much acknowledgement and you're seeing the bigger picture of burnout. You're seeing, you're kind of bringing in your world experience and you have personal experience, but you've also been doing this work with clients. So you have it from all around and you, you really get it. I try like hell, <laughs> but I listened, I watched a video today on upstream health planning and I was like, I don't know anything. I have to start again. <laughs> I'm back to zero. <laughs> Good thing I like to learn. <laughs> that's it. That's it. So, Kate, if somebody wants to go further with you, whether it's around resentment, boundary setting, burnout, recovery, any of that, where should they go? The best and easiest place to go is to the Fried the Burnout Podcast website, which is friedtheburnoutpodcast.com. There's a resources page there that has a lot of things to help get you started, plus links to book calls, should that be of use. Amazing. So, And I know you've got a course on resentment. Yeah, a mini journal. It's the, the resentment journal mini course. It's like it's like 30 something bucks. It's, it's an easy sort of, here's how you do the step-by-step. -step. There's a question sieve that you use to help you create the boundaries. There's you know, directions on if the answer is this, this is what you do. There's cheat sheets so that you can learn to do it on the fly. It's like this wonderful little magical little tool that, you know, 250 people are using on a regular basis. So that's fun. <laughs> Fantastic. So I encourage everybody listening, if you're feeling burned out, that you check that out because, you know, there just aren't enough resentment tools out there, I think. I don't think there are any. I think I'm the first person to talk about it. I've heard it since I started talking about it. I've seen it pop up places, but I don't know that there's another structure for it out there. Yeah. So go check out Kate's resentment course. She is the source of this kind of tool, <laughs> as we now have heard. Um, and Kate, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your expertise. It's always great to have another burnout expert. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a joy to talk to you. Now, for all of you thinkers out there, I really want to know, what did you think of the show? If you are a healer, how did hearing this make you feel? And for all you doers out there, what are you going to do based on what you've heard? Maybe you'll go get that resentment course and... Do some yin yoga. I don't know. Let me know. Now, regardless of whatever your personality code is, my goal is to spread the word that burnout is a unique experience. And by decoding it, you can find solutions that are equally unique to you. Help me spread this message by subscribing to the show on Apple or Spotify and leaving me a review telling me what you think, feel, or do differently because of the show. If you are watching us on YouTube, you can also leave a comment or questions for me to answer in future episodes. And please recommend the show to anyone you know who is struggling with burnout. If you are ready to take the next step with me to decode your burnout, go to decodeyourburnout.com and I'll see you right back here next week. Take care.